Code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films, one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis. And I'm Heather Artis. So what the hell happened? We were here, we were rolling, and everything just was going forward, and then we disappeared for a few days. Yeah, it really is all our fault, and we're fine-tuning things on our end in an effort to deliver the best podcast we can, and we just weren't exactly happy with the outcome of the last few episodes we recorded and decided to reboot and shake things up a bit. Since we had just launched, we figured it was better to do so now while we are still working hard to build an audience, and the timing was definitely not ideal as we really are literally in this process of building a new show and attracting listeners, but because we were only a few episodes in, it really was this best opportunity for us to enhance the listening experience for everybody and make sure that we were streamlining the process. And so thanks for hanging in and joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. You know, we're excited to continue breaking down the curse of the Black Pearl a single minute at a time. So now that we got some of that housekeeping out of the way and we're believe our audience is not here for that kind of stuff but let's get going with minute three but first i should say let's just recap minute two since it was a few days ago and in that minute in minute two we learned that gibbs was very uneasy with the heavy fog and a young girl elizabeth swan singing a pirate's life for me omens that were literally driving him to drink but were simply signs of excitement and adventure for elizabeth and probably putting a few gray hairs under governor swan's elaborate wig So minute three begins with Elizabeth looking towards her dad after he just expressed his concerns over her infatuation with pirates. And it ends with Governor Swan asking what happened here and Norrington just about to offer a response. So, Heather, what do you think of minute three? I thought minute three was pretty interesting. We have the quiet, eerie sail and then the excitement of finding a boy and then the burning ship. Yeah, it really is this transition from stuff that's this build up to a payoff is actually what I would consider it being. So we have all these things that are happening. It's Gibbs talking about, you know, it's bad luck to sing about pirates. It's bad luck to have a woman on board. And then there's this unnatural fog. Yeah, don't throw (laughs) overboard. Pirates of the Caribbean Minute does not endorse throwing people (laughs) overboard to appease the sea. That's for sure. And so... Like you said, you have in an unnatural fog. And so you have all these things that are happening. It's just kind of almost like a semi-dead calm. Everything's just really peaceful and but eerie at the same time. Uh, not a lot of action. And then you all of a sudden have the end of the minute, which we'll get to, but really a big burning ship. So it's like, you know, kind of the polar opposites. It's, it's build up and then payoff. Uh, and it's, I think, the payoff of what we expect in a pirate movie opening So it just takes, I think the writers took a little bit different stance on how that works. And they didn't hit it with us right away, but they gave us a small buildup and so that we would be kind of pleasantly surprised or at least maybe even like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah, I agree. So one of the things that caught my attention is this parasol that spins out of nowhere. And we're talking about this this payoff, and this is one of those things that happening as part of this payoff here and building this tension 
Although it's not really building tension. It's like this, you know, Elizabeth sees this parasol that's spinning on top of the water and it comes just, you know, right past the Dauntless. And she, she looks at it as this inquisitive look like, what, where did this even come from? How is this even out here? And what does it mean? But she's kind of pleasantly surprised at it. Maybe yeah. like bewildered by it. And, you know, it's like a happy bewilderment. Yeah, she's kind of smiling at it and get this, oh, that's a pretty, pretty parasol floating by. And then all of a sudden, it's almost like it kicks in and, oh, that's strange. What's the parasol doing floating by? Yeah, she actually looks at it. And then as it goes by, then she can, it's it's like it registers like, huh, if I just saw this, yeah. maybe there's something else going to come because she then swivels her head and turns her head back to the front to see, hey, is there something else that's coming? And I think that's what just in general kids do, even adults, you know, you kind of look over the side of a boat when you're on it or a ship. Yeah. Because you're hoping like, hey, what am I going to see down there? And, and cha- I'm hoping most to see times, whales. Yeah, most, <laughs> well, aren't we all? But, you know, most of the time you don't really see anything except the water. And so yeah. to see something like that come down, although there's, you know, a lot of marine debris out there these days. So yeah, maybe you are true. seeing some trash and stuff. But a parasol is not one of those things that you'd expect to find. And then, yeah, she gets this, you know, this like, hey, maybe there's something else going to be coming down. And... Maybe she's thinking it's going to be something else, like, you know, maybe a, a dress or some other lady's <laughs> attire. Like, hey, look at this cool stuff that's coming. But it turns out to be a boy. It's on this shipwreck piece, you know, this wood that's floating. And it's like, hey, look, there's a boy. There's a boy in the water. And that's probably one of the last things that you'd expect to hear, even at that time or, you know, even today. If you heard that, that was our little dog, Froggy. She's playing with a toy in the studio today. So she may have some uh, choice words for everybody out there, just (laughs) making some crazy sounds. But yeah, that's her playing around with a toy and a blanket. So anyways, yeah. So she sees this boy floating on shipwreck. And it's like, hey, we got to get this boy. And look what I found. And so she really goes crazy for him. Yeah. And then this, at that point in time, all the excitement starts to build. The And you can see how well the ship is managed and what it, how they work as a team because as soon as Norrington says about getting the boy I forget his exact word his exact words but yeah, I think they, he says something about get get the hook so that they can try and get the boy in yeah and that just starts all the excitement and the teamwork starts going and, yeah. and it's a pretty well um, managed machine there Definitely, for sure. This actually marks the introduction. I mean, this is a kind of a spoiler. And I think part of the process here is we're, you know, we're, we're coming at it whereas the minute exists in its own time. And some, and if we haven't gotten to that minute yet, we don't know what it is and it doesn't exist. And so this could potentially be one of the spoilers. So maybe we're already breaking one of the rules, but this is an introduction to a main character. We don't know his name yet, of course, but it may be somebody that we're going to have to see later on or we're going to look to see later on. And also that, so there's a mystery. There's That's one mystery here in Minute 3. There's also another mystery. It's, you know, why is this ship on fire and, and burning? And we don't really have a resolution to that or, or even what kind of ship it is. Yeah. And talking about the ship, it really is the, this kind of the, this is my favorite part of the movie is just seeing the scenery with the ship and this, this huge like flame out in the middle of the ocean that's the last thing that you you'd really expect to see out in the middle of the ocean especially kind of in a dark fog and then you just have something so bright going on out there it really is kind of a spectacle and i was listening to jack davenport he plays norrington and he was talking about this scene and he said it was rather incredible to be there in person for it and I tried to do a quick search online to see how they created that effect. You know, was it like a scale model or on a production set, you know, or something that was in the ocean? 
actually, but I didn't really see anything and didn't uncover any answers. So just given his enthusiasm and excitement for it i just got to imagine it was actually fairly large and awesome replica that they set ablaze out in the ocean then we could be wrong but you know i just figure hey if if he really said it was such a spectacle it was pretty incredible to see that then i have to imagine that it was something pretty awesome even for the actors to be on set to see this fire going on out there yeah it was probably pretty amazing and did you notice the mast? The mast was actually, the way it was broken, so the, the mast had broken and fallen over, and it was on fire. Because it was still dark, or with the fog and the smoke that was there, but the mast was on fire, and it kind of created this X in the sky, if you will. It's kind of like X marks the spot. Hmm. And so I wasn't sure. Obviously, I don't think that they did it on purpose necessarily, but for me, it's the one thing that re- my eye first goes to when I see the ship on fire is this, it's like this hovering X over it. And it's kind of strange because this is a pirate movie, but it's like X marks the spot. Here's the ship. Here's the X over it. And it's just kind of my own mind seeing that. And it's something I, every time I watch this particular minute, I see that first. It's that my eye goes to that. Besides just an X, actually, it really looks my first inclination to see what it looked like was actually this phoenix it, it almost looks like uh. a bird like a stylized bird picture it being from fantasia the phoenix i think it's in the mother nature scene and the lava creates this this phoenix or this firebird that is destroying and kind of doing the whole life coming from the ashes or being reborn from the ashes thing is this kind of the symbolism there but i see this you know it's like a um, you know not just an x but like this phoenix that's hovering over that so i don't know why my eye is drawn to it it's just weird because the mast is dark in the bottom because it's not on fire but that top part is that's kind of interesting i haven't noticed that but speaking of fantasia i noticed something from fantasia Uh oh yep when they're pulling the boat the boy into the boat you can see next to elizabeth there's a mop bucket Now, if you look closely at this mop bucket, I don't know why it caught my eye, but if you look closely at this mop bucket, it looks like the one Mickey Mouse is using in Fantasia for the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Oh, the, uh, yeah, the Sorcerer's Apprentice. And so the mop buckets that come alive and do the dance routine and all that stuff. Yeah. I will have to relook at Fantasia to see that, but I... I know what you're talking about. It does look familiar on that. Maybe there's like a standardized mop bucket design for the era or actually, you know, just at the time or something. Yeah. Maybe that's the old timey buckets that Maybe. were used. I'll have to look that up. But, but it totally reminded me of the Fantasia bucket. Wow. So we're getting into like Fantasia references here, Disney references at least. So we're going to have to start because I know that there are some that come in future minutes that they actually directly or on purpose put in some Disney references and Easter eggs. But maybe we should start collecting references references that we see you know at least the ones that we make up or imagine ourselves and then we can also have a list for the ones that maybe they actually put in there on purpose and we know you like your easter eggs i do like that yeah so i do (laughs) like to find the hidden meetings and i'm not actually that good at it i usually have to get help online when i find those or i know we you know recently saw some other movies uh we won't say anything a star wars story just kidding but i did see a lot of references in that that were some cool easter eggs oh yeah uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out and what pops out of Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl, and just actually all the other franchises as they give homage to Disney and to other Disney movies. So that'll be pretty cool. I did notice something else. Um, up on the poop deck or the upper deck of the ship, you see a row of buckets. Do you happen to know what those buckets would be used for? I didn't. I had a I had an idea, 
but I didn't really know. And so actually I went online to, to check that out and do some research just to make sure. I didn't want to start telling people things and then it turned out that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hanging on the long, so for people who haven't seen it, so and there's a shot where you can see that there's a row of these buckets that are hanging along the edge of the poop deck, and which is also accessible from the quarter deck. So it's this row, long row of buckets, and they're actually fire buckets. And so fire definitely was a serious issue on ships. It was this big risk because, yeah, they are wooden, of course, but they also used a lot of pitch to seal the decks. And then they had tar and stuff that was coating the rigging. And so all of these kinds of things were flammable materials. Oh, yeah. And so they had, you know, especially you're walking around with open flames or people were smoking pipes and candles and all that kind of stuff. So they, and even just the galley and the stoves and stuff. So they had to have a way to try and curtail that and maybe have some safety. And so OSHA came in and told them, hey, you need to have some buckets on, on the ship to, that can hold water or sand and so that they could use to extinguish fire. Uh, OSHA didn't exist back then, did it? Uh, I think OSHA is a plague upon humanity, right? Yeah. And so it, it exists everywhere. <laughs> and it has been around all time. Well, no, they have done some good stuff. We will say that they help, uh, help, help do that. Uh, you know, they, they, they do serve a good purpose for, for companies. So. But nobody wants to have to go to their seminars or to have to do the workplace safety stuff. So we all can identify that. Yeah, we understand that they've done some good stuff, (laughs) but we all have to sit through those horrible meetings and so in those seminars. So I think that... I think that I can be safe to say that and then yeah. maybe not have the, the audience hate me for, for claiming <laughs> that I'm not into to workplace safety. But I am. We, we believe in workplace safety. Yeah, exactly. Pirates of the Caribbean officially endorses workplace safety. Just like we don't uh, endorse people throwing uh, women overboard to appease the seas or the gods. So we'll just maybe make a list of the, the legal rules of Pirates of the Caribbean Minute for sure. <laughs> One of the other things that really caught my eye, speaking of regulations and OSHA and government uh, regulations and things like that, was the uniforms. Mm. You know, I, I really did notice kind of a variety of uniforms on board the Dauntless, and so yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting as well. Yeah, there are all different kinds. There are also, if you notice, you in this scene in this minute, you see a lot of a lot more crewmen in this minute, and you'll see a lot of wigs. You have the white ones and the gray ones and black ones. You know, and it's, I guess they um, represent the rank and social class of the crewmen aboard. That's true, because the wig that I wear, it really shows a high social status. And It's pink, by the way. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> it's, it's not really a pink, because I do use it when I'm doing burrowing out conservation work in the field. So I want something that does blend in with the, the grassland environment to hide. But, oh, so it's tan. Yeah, it would be more of a tan, like a khaki. Maybe maybe a little dirty blonde dirty and blonde stringy, maybe? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that is interesting because there is, you know, you do see quite a few different wigs on, on the board there. And so yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting as well. Yeah. Really, the uniforms, I know you're the wig master here, but... <laughs> wig master. It was, yeah, the uniforms really caught my eye because there were a variety of those. And, and I did see a red coat on board, too, in one of the shots, so... You know, it wasn't necessarily a Navy person, but there was a soldier on there. So maybe he was accompanying the governor along mm. the voyage. I don't know, maybe, maybe his personal protection or something like that, if, if that warrants one, I'm not sure. In addition to crewmen, and then there were the officers as well. So apparently the officer uniforms, kind of in this naval blue, were actually adopted in 1748 by the British Royal Navy. And it had actually the color was chosen... And, you know, I don't have any of my notes on this, but I remember reading it somewhere that 
because they actually had in uh, it was like an indigo color I think in with India okay uh, because it was a colony so it was something that they could get cheap but yeah so they adopted a huh. kind of a dark blue officer's uniform but the enlisted men kind of the regular crew men they actually didn't really have a uniform and there was nothing that was regulated or adopted for them and they were actually able to buy ready-made clothing which was called slop on board the ship so that doesn't sound like very nice clothing <laughs> yeah exactly I don't think it was. but I'm going to go get my slop clothing. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at it too, they and it turns out they, they were called jacktars, as was the ordinary British seaman. And so as a jacktar, this was because tar was commonly used on sailing ships. And so you can see that the clothing, when they are even looking over at the burning ship, that there's a lot of dirt and black wear on the, and grease and grime or whatever you want to call it on their clothing. Yeah, I wouldn't think white clothing would be real... The ideal color to wear on the Yeah, I agree, because I don't think that they were doing a lot of washing of clothes all the time. But, you know, I have no idea how often they wash their clothes. But there's definitely (laughs) dirt there. They're wearing white so you can see it. And you can definitely see a variety of different shirts on board. So I thought they did a great job on the details for here, uh, for the Dauntless in, in the movie, because you do see a variety of these clothing. And so, you know, it wasn't consistent for the regular crewmen. And it tended to vary widely with the fashion of the era and at the whim of the individual who's actually contracted to supply the clothing for the ship. And also it was something interesting about the uniforms and just in this particular minute is that we have quite a variety of stuff going on here. We have Elizabeth in her, you know, kind of ornate, kind of regalia, if you really want to call it, dress. Uh, And then also you had the officers who were in their uniform. And then you had crewmen in, you know, kind of a, you know, that's a step below. And then you also had Governor Swan, who was in his, you know, giddy up, if you want to call it that. And then you had Jack, or then you had the young... I was saying Jack. I don't. Yeah, Jack Davenport. I was going to say, but it wasn't even who I was referring to. But then you have the boy, the young boy who's pulled uh, from the ocean, and you can see that his clothes are a lot thinner and you know maybe a bit tattered. But he was also on a shipwreck. But you can see that they're maybe setting like these proprieties up that might play out in later minutes. You know, these different classes of people and how they're all interacting with each other. And you can definitely see that, like you said, with the wigs, but there's also that class stuff going on within the uniforms and the the clothing that they're wearing as well. There's definitely a lot of pomp and circumstance, for sure, with the governor and the officers. I, I just can't even imagine being aboard a military ship or a working ship like that and having in these huge wigs on and heavy uniforms. Oh, yeah. It's it's just crazy to have to be going around like that. And we know from the title of the movie, Pirates of the Caribbean, that they are headed to the Caribbean. Which is nice and warm. Yeah, so, man, could you could you pick an outfit that's more crazy <laughs> than... Give me the biggest wig you have. And Give me the heaviest coat. As many layers as I yeah. can put on. Oh, can I get one more layer on this, please? <laughs> and, and that's... So that, yeah, it's this whole real kind of pomp and circumstance of stuff, which, by the way, can make, boom, our third Fantasia reference yes. for this episode. <laughs> yes. Maybe, maybe we'll set a precedence of seeing how many Fantasia references we can get into each episode. Minute three is Fantasia references. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so you have all of these, you know, kind of things that are coming together for, you know, with all these people wearing this, these different clothing. You can see the class, different classes and stuff. And so it's pretty interesting. 
uh, to see that. But, it, you know, all this, like I was saying, pomp and circumstance kind of trumps utility in, in convenience and usability. And so it's yeah. kind of maybe like the exact opposite of where we've evolved today. But back then it was definitely more, you know, the socially acceptable. You have to wear certain clothes for, to represent your class and and rank in society so yeah while we're still on the clothing section (laughs) i wanted to mention some of these men on this ship were wearing these big these shoes with these big old silver buckles on them yeah i saw people wearing shoes and because i was looking at that when they were standing uh on the rail Mm -hmm. and looking over the side at the burning ship so some of them wore shoes and some of them didn't and i some were just barefoot yeah that's right yeah so I found that kind of interesting, too. What's but, up with the buckles, though? Just I, the style it, of the day? Maybe. Maybe. It's a little, little fancy, I think. <laughs> I, I prompted her for that because I thought she had some information <laughs> on a belt buckle. Because I, I really shoe mem- buckles. <laughs> I remember her telling me that. And then she just drops the ball and basically <laughs> leaves me hanging with that. That's pretty well, ridiculous. I, I, I thought I read something, but then I... Didn't there write it down. So she, basically what happens is she sets me up and says, hey, I really found something interesting about <laughs> belt, uh, shoe buckles. So, And then she just leaves it at that, knowing that I may put that in the back of my head, and then I'll try and remember <laughs> it and talk about it on the show. And then she just goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> Stare at you blankly. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty ridiculous. So I don't know. I mean, that's about what I have, you know, kind of the whole wigs and uniforms and and all that kind of good stuff but that's you know really basically what i think i have for the for the minute here unless you have something else i kind of had my favorite part of this minute sure i thought gibbs yells out mother mary of god and then all the crew kind of rushes over to the side to see what he to see what he's seen and that's when they see the ship i just thought that was a neat time in the minute yeah, I agree with that. I think that he he's he's quite the colorful character, oh, yeah. and he set himself up for that. And so I'm going to be keeping an eye on what you know what he's going to be saying in some of his quotes and lines. But if we're talking lines, that's something that we can discuss later on. I know we yeah. had talked about maybe adding a segment to future episodes, so it might be something that we'll pull out our favorite line from the movie and then add that to Friday's episode at the end. Of the week. Uh, yeah, that way we can take a peek at the whole week and pick out each of our favorite lines from the from that week, and then we can share them. And it's probably something that can get everybody else involved, and you that's can share idea. your favorite line with us on social media and or send us an email. We'll you know be happy to to read that on the next episodes and i really like this gibbs character i think he is um he's not a normal military man he's not following that normal protocol i don't think he's more outspoken i guess i would say yeah i don't really know what his backstory is you know and and it may just be like we mentioned in minute two when he takes like that swig of rum kind of already setting himself up for a rabble rouser or somebody that maybe doesn't quite fit in uh, in the military thing because they're pretty regimented as far as from what i understand in reading about it the the whole british army british naval royal navy and stuff were pretty regimented so it makes sense that you know you had a few people who were maybe saving up their flask of rum and uh, maybe not quite willing to toe the line or had, were outspoken and stuff for sure. So yeah. Well, unless you have anything else, I guess that wraps up minute three. Gretchen wants to talk. Gretchen, can I talk? Yeah. So not only do we have 
our puppy Froggy in here, we have our 14-year-old who's going to be 15 here coming up in, in July. July and uh, Gretchen, another German short hair, and she's in the studio with us today too, trying to make a bunch of noise for everybody <laughs> and say hello. So unless you or Gretchen or Froggy have anything <laughs> else to say, actually we also have Banjo here, but he's being a good boy. He's also a German short hair and he's sleeping and being being good about it, So that which is unusual for him. So unless all of us have nothing else, I think that wraps up minute three. I think we're good. Okay, we will be back tomorrow with Minute 4, The Curse of the Black Pearl, on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. So thanks everyone for sticking around and having the patience as we get things up and running. And now we'll get a consistent show going and you'll be able to count on us for having a daily podcast there. So until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. And visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter for additional content and post-episode discussions.